You're listening to the Brand Boost Podcast, an exclusive look at who's doing business right. He's your favorite brand correspondent with more tweets than the Bible's got Psalms. Here's your host, Vincenzo Landino. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to another episode of the Brand Boost Podcast marketing update. It's Friday. It's the end of the week. You're probably on your way to work and you want to hear what's going on. So joining me today is none other than Amy, savvy, sexy, social, Schmidauer. How are you, Amy? I'm great. How are you, Vincenzo? Not too bad. I can't complain today. It's uh, it's yet another beautiful New England day. Oh, that's great. I love to hear when you can't complain. Right. And, and you just got back from Richmond, right? I did. It was a really great experience. I spoke at the AMA. Awesome. American Marketing Association. That's right. Cool. What was your topic? It was all about crushing visual marketing in 2016. Well, speaking of 2016, there's an amazing article that Ad Age dropped uh, earlier this week. Uh, the writer, Lindsay Stein, uh, the actual title was uh, Rest in Peace Millennials. Marketing will be age agnostic next year. I found this as really really, really critical for 2016 trends. It was actually a hot wire PR study. And uh, there's more brands that will be marketing to passions and not an age demographic. What do you think about that? I thought it was really cool. I mean, the headline is definitely an attention grabber because everyone's really talking about millennials and trying to figure out what we're all doing. And then to name your article RIP millennials is definitely eye catching. But... This is great that it's finally coming out and sort of being picked up in a big brand kind of way because I think small businesses have really started embracing this idea already and knowing that each individual customer is different for thoughts and feelings and passions and not necessarily because of how old they are or even where they are. Oh, absolutely. And and just looking at them as a uh, singular demographic just hasn't worked mm. traditionally I mean, not traditionally but in terms of marketing there's such this there's such a um a look at millennials as the you know it's like difficult to market to them why is it so difficult to market to them and everyone is is like well we don't know how to market to millennials and and this is this study was awesome because now finally understanding that it's not one big major demographic it's how do we reach individuals in specific you know, interests and passions and how they consume content. Because let's face it, you can consume content as a millennial, uh, whether you're consuming that on Snapchat, you're consuming on Snapchat, you can be 35 or you can be 18. And I would say if we just looked at spending habits of 18-year-olds and 35-year-olds, that's completely different. So I think understanding the millennial trend is way much deeper than an age demographic. Um, the other, there was other some like uh, really key... Uh, trends that the study found, and I don't. I know you took a look at the article too, so we'll talk about those in a second. But um, another key finding was that mobile ads are not going to be going away. And as a video content girl, what do you think about mobile ads? I mean, mobile ads are a requirement. Mobile is so important. Traffic is predominantly mobile these days. There's a lot of people out there that don't even have a computer desktop. I mean, their computer is in their pocket. It's all they have. And even myself, sometimes when I'm traveling, the only computer I have is my phone. My phone is my camera, my internet, my connection to the world. So mobile ads aren't, I mean, are not going away. This is 
obvious and it, this has really nothing in my opinion to do with the millennial conversation either. So I like that they pulled it out here. Yeah. And, and one thing that was really interesting was that in order for marketers to rise above this kind of ad blocking influx, um, they said that on the rise would be native advertising, sponsored podcasts, influencer partnerships, and experiential efforts. Yeah, I mean, content, period. Exactly. Here's the thing. The bottom line with the reason why the millennial conversation ages and all this doesn't matter is because maybe, if anything, the millennials just spurred the conversation of why we do what we do and taking ownership in everything. Like, oh, I'm going to wake up earlier so I can have more time to myself down to I'm going to eat organic so that I'm doing something that's good for the longevity of my life. So we all do what we do for a reason. And this comes down to content, advertising, and in any way you want to reach anyone these days, not just millennials, you really have to tap into why they're doing what they're doing. And even the older demographics who might even see this kind of change in work ethic with the different age ranges and are thinking, oh, well, wow, the millennials really are working hard and, and they work more. And it's really not necessarily about more time in work or not. It's about why they're doing what they're doing and that's where they want to spend their time. So I don't think really this is a surprise at all. If you want to get across an ad, if you have to call it that, in an effective way, you need to put it in someone's world in a way that matters to them. And that's what content marketing has the ability to do. Yeah. So uh, along those lines, there was a few other finds from the study. There was about eight that were listed here. And one of them that uh, really stood out to me was real time rather than planned content and marketers focusing their resources on, on real time. So this year, I think the trend of the year has been live streaming in the moment. Mm. Snapchat's on the rise. Mm -hmm. We just we, last week, uh, six billion views which tripled since May. So I think the live streaming uh, aspect has really uh, just made this real-time content something. And we're seeing big brands that are really picking up on that. Uh, and also, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one, but hyper-local content. Mm -hmm. I know you're big in Columbus on, on your community in a very specific community in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, but there's the uh, study said one or two pieces of hyper-targeted content will not be enough for marketers. They'll need to create at least 10 specific messages for each subset of a specific group. Right. Because you're, again, you're tapping into everyone's why, and that can be a lot of different things. So, um, that, that makes a, a lot of sense to me. People take a lot of ownership in what they're doing and why they do what they do. There's not going to be one or two messages that are going to be effective enough to get your message across. If you're trying to hit home with them. Uh, this one was, this one struck out, uh, struck out. No, it didn't strike out. It actually <laughs> struck me as uh, as also very interesting. Marketing campaigns that provide a service saying that the most successful campaigns in 2016 will also offer relevant and useful services to consumers and society at large as opposed to product. I guess. I mean, I think this is just another example of everyone's trying to scale and yet the dream situation, such as real-time content even as well. This is just showing that consumers and everybody wants to see things. They want to see things in real time. They don't want to see things scheduled out in advance. They want everything to be up to the minute. So yeah, I just think that this is just further testament to that. I mean, this is the here and the now. So you have to be in that moment. So the last few, uh, and there's one that I want to touch base on, after this uh, was continued focus on brand activists. So 
we're talking about values being placed at the center of brands' communication strategies um, and focusing on social and political issues, which have been taboo mm. uh, in recent, not even in recent, but in the past, we're now saying that social social uh, political issues are going to be at the forefront. Is that, again, we can say, well, is that because of the millennial? Or what do you think about that? How does that affect brand messaging and brand communication structure? I think that's such a really difficult line for any brand. I mean, you don't want to have done all of this work about finding people's passions and being able to tap into that space and then draw a hard line in the sand by bringing in these um, really difficult issues that are not probably even furthering the mission of your own company. So I think um, that's an interesting line to dance on. Yeah, I I will be very, very interested to see how brands dance on the political line and yeah. how they get involved with those types of and we, we see some brands have have dabbled a very little uh maybe taking jabs at certain sides but never a full-fledged uh political affiliation or most brands don't i, would I say. think you have to be fully prepared with a crisis management strategy if you're going to do that because you just don't know what you're going to say that's going to end up being this big issue that the entire world's going to turn against you you have to be fully prepared to go in and and think about how you were going how you're going to correct it if it goes wrong and sometimes brands don't come back from that so it's it's a it's a risk i don't know that it means it's off limits at this stage in the game because i mean these are very important is- issues these these this is our country like we need to talk about this stuff but you also have a mission as a brand and if you don't stay, you know, within those parameters and really understand your own policies, you can probably get yourself into trouble just by trying to do something that would get you just a little bit of attention. Yeah, um, that's a great. You made a great point there. Uh, and I want to jump into these last couple ones before we uh, we finish up. But and I'm going to save the best for last because you are the video girl. So we'll wait <laughs> for that one. But the growth of third party publishing channels was something mentioned. And uh, brands, it says that brands will still use their website to post content. But publishing platforms, and we've both seen articles written on things like LinkedIn, mm-hmm, Publisher, mm-hmm. Uh, Medium. Mm-hmm. They're saying those are going to become actually more important for marketing campaigns. Very good friend of mine, Ben Phillips, and, and I, you know Ben as well. Yes. He has a publication on Medium focused around Snapchat strategy. That's it's fabulous. Grown. Yeah, yeah, and you've seen it. It's not only grown, but he has a plethora of people contributing to it. So now he's not only gathering uh, like, like content in one place, but he doesn't have to be the only one writing it either. Yeah, he's curating, he's connecting people to the resource, he's connecting people to contribute to the resource. I mean, it's it's really brilliant. And yeah, these third-party publishers are really important. I mean, traditionally, we want content marketing to live on our site, period, because that's the whole reason why we created them in the first place was to get that traffic. But there's also something to be said about going to the cocktail party where it's happening and presenting your value where you can. And you really just need to be prepared with how you're going to convert that. I mean, it's awesome when you can go to LinkedIn and go into the comfort of everyone's social feed and provide some great value. But how are you activating those readers um, or viewers, just depending on the case or listeners, to make them take that next step with your brand may or may not be going directly to your website should absolutely be retaining them in some capacity on a list. Right. Uh, I know we're going to jump back to the experiential uh, efforts, but rise of virtual reality. That was that was the first one actually listed in this article. But mm-hmm. I wanted to touch on it because 
we do see people, consumers, uh, really craving these experiences. And uh, not only in the, I don't think it's only in the gaming space anymore. When VR was first kind of came into the fore, I, I was like, ah, oh, this is a gaming and entertainment play. Mm-hmm. Like, what else could it possibly be? And uh, since since live streaming video has come out and and uh, now even even 360 video, we've seen it on Facebook, we've seen 360 video on YouTube for a little while now, we've mm-hmm. seen 360 video. It's people want to get a full immersive experience. Where do you see the VR play going? I think it's further out than 2016. I do too. Um, so for me, the the virtual reality right now, I think the cost is too high. So unless you're a really, really large brand, I don't see it as a play until later on down the road. That's my two cents. Do you think anything else? Yeah, I, I just see, you know, it, we're probably going to talk more about video, but everyone's coming to me now. Everyone was coming to me at the beginning of 2015 and saying, man, you're really onto something with this video thing. It's going to be hot. And I've been creating video on YouTube since 2008. So with it still being such unchartered territory for a lot of brands when it comes to video, uh, virtual reality is a really big leap. So if we can at least get our bearings with Snapchat video, YouTube video, Facebook video, um, or just the simplistic imagery that can be Instagram and how significant that that can take an effect on your uh, digital marketing plan. Virtual reality is very cool and can do big things for a lot of different industries. I think of real estate specifically as a, a great opportunity, but it's a lot. It's just a lot. And I don't know that brands are quite ready for it yet. Yeah, I saw I was at a conference in Tampa, uh, Social Fresh, and they had uh, Patron was there, Patron Tequila who many know, many love. And they had a virtual reality set up with uh, an Oculus Rift. And we were able to tour the Hacienda in Mexico where they, I'm not even sure of all the exact terms, but where they harvest the agave, mm-hmm. making it and bottling it. And it was a, it was a fly through. It wasn't, um, it was pretty immersive, but I would say maybe down the road, it could be more immersive, like actually like a walking tour where you can control the actual uh, like walking or where you're going. This was a truly just a flyover. It was it was an amazing experience. But so to me, I see things like that where brands that can afford to make a play like that, mm-hmm. they can give people or consumers an experience. Uh, but like you said, for others, it might be a little too much right now. And then you mentioned it, but I'm going to say it. Uh, marketers are finally going to get a handle on digital video. That's what the Hotwire PR study yeah. came out with, and it said that more consumers are cutting the cord. Marketers are finally going to use production experts, planners, accounts teams to figure out which platforms are going to work better for video in 2016. Well, goodness gracious, I hope so. I mean, come on. If that's the only step they take, we're still in trouble because it's just about execution at this point. You need to get in front of those visual learners, those visual experiencers, and you need to get your brand out there. And so really, it's as simple as Snapchat video, which is smartphone. Acceptable, not even just minimum. It's acceptable. And there are big brands doing it amazingly well just by allowing their marketing departments to be human. Yeah, human is the key word. I think human, my prediction for trends of next year is finally brands will understand that being human and, and authentic, that word authentic gets thrown around. But I think human is the, is the key word. Absolutely. That's what will come into play in 2016. Amy, I uh, really appreciate you hanging out and uh, giving our, our listeners a little bit of an update slash trends for 2016. 
Uh, and this is, again, this is my second episode or, or, you know, our second episode of the marketing update. So thank you for, for being on. Thanks and for having me. I'm glad you added this to the, the list of episodes you've got. Let the listeners know where they can find you. I am all things Savvy Sexy Social. So just go to SavvySexySocial.com. There you go. Until next time. Ciao. This has been a VincenzoLandino.com production. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the Brand Boost podcast, please give us a rating, write a review, or subscribe. Head on over to BrandBoostCast.com forward slash subscribe.